we're back. So many people here. Yeah, it's a full crowd of people. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a budget for like twelve people. Yeah, wow. it's just that. Just, awesome. for, just for clapping, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, we're back. Yeah, a little bit of ch- light cheering. All right, they need to it's calm down. They need to calm down. They're getting the way to. I'm getting nervous, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but uh, yeah, yeah, welcome back to Creative Vices, where we talk all things creative. Today, we're joined by Mateo. Uh, we know him by working with him in several projects. He was a huge component in, in our last two shoots, actually, uh, SLVT, which is a scene with Mariana and Adriana, shout out. And he was also part of Life Happens. And I'm sure this not that's not going to be the last time. I think you're you're stuck with us, bro. Thank uh, you. Yeah, bro, you're part of the crew, for sure. Let's go. So beyond that, Mateo, um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm uh, 20. <laughs> nice. And, you're uh, 20? Yeah. God damn. I know, I'm young. Um, I just turned 20, actually, last Oh, month. snap. Happy, oh, nice. happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy. Thank you. Um, but I got a, I have a film degree, and I've made 50 short films, uh, nice. DP'd most of them, and I'm trying to be a producer, and I'm also trying to be a colorist as of right now, and I love, fo- I love pulling focus. <laughs> That's, that's something we have in common. Yeah, not with me. I, it's I, like a I, video game for me. It's I know. It's it's fun. For me, it's stressful. For Especially me, when you have peeking on. You oh, just my kinda God. Try, you try to I, find it. Oh, that's why I call so you guys funny. for the shoots and not me because I lose my <laughs> shit. Uh, but before we get started, what are we having today? What is this? What's your advice? Here at Creative Vices, we ask everyone what's the, their advice. Um, we attempt to drink it. So it's pretty ethnic and uh, out of this world, but... It's pure mountain, like from the springs, water. Yeah. Um, 100% water, like uh, hydrogen and I think two oxygens. It's yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Right, on two, yeah. right on the nail. Right on the nail. How'd sh- you know that? You have a great fucking palate. Oh my <laughs> well, my God. film degree kick comes in handy sometimes. Yeah. 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 Mountain you, water. There's nothing you learn more than when you have a film degree. <laughs> <laughs> it's very broad and, you know. Yeah. Uh, who knew you can get mountain water in Home Depot? This is some good water. This is like what the Aborigines used to drink. I mean, it sounds just. Cheers. Oh, cheers. That's right. Wow. The sounds of mountain. That's oh, late. It's not on the board. Is. It's not on the board. So you're good. That's Nothing why, happened. That's why the board's all the way over here. Man, that goes down smooth, huh? Yeah. All right, you guys, you guys uh, talk a bit while I go get uh, spillage control. Yeah, yeah. Spill was, control. Was Abe. Let me. Had a, yeah, I had, yeah. <laughs> totally. Had a little bit of a spill over here. I just couldn't get enough of this mountain water. That's too good. We have a question for you. What's your opinion on uh, methamphetamine? Methamphetamine? Yeah. Four. <laughs> um, you tell me what, what the uses are. What, what other uses are there? What, what do you mean before? Uh, no, like I like I do meth uh, four times a week. Four? Yeah. Oh, four, like the number. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. You did good. I walk <laughs> away for like a few seconds. You guys talking about drugs. It's you guys taking creative devices to a different level. It's, let's let's, that, let's bring it back to the PG-13 level gotcha. where we're kind of motivating, not influencing in that negative. I mean, I, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> if we're going to promote anything, promote Still. the natural stuff, the the earthy stuff, the, the stuff that grows. Yeah, that too. Yeah. 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 I've actually never done anything that I've never, I've, I'm not like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. Listen, the stuff that comes from the earth do that. is probably the best yeah, I, that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Listen, kids. <laughs> PSA. PSA. Yeah. Listen, children. If you ever encounter someone giving you drugs, just ask them, is this natural? And wow. if they say, yeah, do them. 
Really? No yeah. questions asked? No, don't ask questions because then you, you might get answers you don't like. Uh-huh. I, I think Tad Williams put it best. I mean, weed, it's not really a drug. It's just, it, it just grows. It's like a medicine. But it extends into leaves and little flower buds that if you just happen to light it up, it might have some side effects. Same thing with shrooms. I mean, one day maybe you go to Publix and you get the wrong bag. <laughs> As they do whoa. sell in Publix. Yeah, this is not shiitake. <laughs> so have you guys ever done... I've done, I've been drunk and filmed once, and that was really fun. Have you guys drunk, ever done... You were I, drunk during filming? I No, no, no. So I was with friends, mm-hmm. and I was playing poker, and then I, I don't drink... Like I said, I don't drink often, but at that time I had like a glass of something whiskey, I think. And um, as I do, almost always, I'm like, we should film. Mm. We should like absolutely. And my friends are like, yeah, let's do it. And I used the phone with like a with like the wide angle thing. It was it was really funny, but it was really hard. I fell multiple times with the camera. But I assume like shrooms. It's <laughs> dangerous. It's hilarious. Well, we've never done anything on shrooms, but I'll tell you this story. Um, when Andy and I were first making stuff together, um, like a little over a year ago, I want to say, right? Um, we. We got really high off edibles, um, and they were really strong. Um, I mean, and I had. Do you remember? I don't. I think it was like two hundred milligrams. Holy shit! They were really strong because um, you you made them actually. Oh yeah, nice the, the cookies. You yeah, got the butter yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I had I had a plug that that me and him were talking about like maybe collaborating. Just at the time, I had a home bakery. Uh, like every other fucking wow. person in the 2020 yeah the 2020 pandemic. era so uh covid after yeah after establishing a relationship with the plug we spoke and i'm like oh maybe i can make you a better cookie recipe because he was offering some but it, you know those cookies that look like they just fucking dissolved on yeah the fucking tray? it's that's like what, hmm? that's what it looked like so oh like man they were they were gorgeous and delicious well, this was during a time where I had gone through a breakup. So I had oh. come over to, to see him um, just to kind of get my mind off the whole situation. Um, just to hang out. Like, you know. Wasn't that the day of a critical role? Critical fail. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I was getting to. So I just went over to hang out. We had lunch. Um, and he was like, dude, I got just a thing for you. And he gave me the edible. And we ate it. Uh, and kind of before it started to kick in. I was like, dude, we should shoot something. And he was like, yeah, what? Like, I don't know. So we just kind of came up with uh, with something on the spot uh, that uh, is a, it's based on uh, D&D. Uh, and we made like a very short film. It, I think it was like, what, like four minutes? Maybe less? That's pretty long. Short. If you guys were uh, high the, during it, that's the, pretty The short long. was not. The short was like a minute, maybe a minute and a half. A minute and a half, maybe, yeah. So, but we were, once we got all the gear out, we, it started, oh. it just started kicking and we were so fucking cooked the entire time we were filming. It was like the funniest thing ever. Um, and we had like color lights kind of like on strobe effect. We had oh. shit moving all over the place, but we were like on go. Like the film? The what? Are you saying like the lights were all over the fucking place or are you saying it was like. They, they, they were consistent yeah. but inconsistent because we, we we maintained the mood mm-hmm. but there are certain every shot we did we added something different so there's <sighs> some shots that yeah there's so. a fill here well where the other and the wide is not so okay okay it was, it was little, so much movement i mean maybe it, was maybe it felt like a lot more because we were on uh edibles but thinking back to it yeah like it, i felt like there was a lot a, there was a lot going on 
but it was like it was so much fun and remember we had a hazer um and the hazer set off the fire alarm and we had to like fan the fire alarm um that happens. yeah that was awesome sparky was in the sparky was in it too it's actually it's not it didn't come out that bad actually when did you get into film by the way have, have you by the way before i actually answer that question how many times have you been asked that in this podcast what almost almost when, when did you get time. into film every uh, time almost yeah, every time i mean whether it's directly or indirectly we I always went uh, skip that question why <laughs> why okay you go i can i can say when and why okay um when uh well wow and i guess both questions are the same the same uh same answer uh when I was in high school, I wasn't really into film that much. I mean, like, I liked movies like any regular person. Um, I really did like watching bloopers, though, yeah. of, like, sitcoms and stuff. So I thought fun. that was really cool, and I've always wanted to be, like, part of, like, a blooper reel. Um, but I never really knew what it was to be, like, on set, what it, what, what actual... So acting draws you more? I guess it was, like, I was it drew me more, but I never really cared about acting. I just really liked watching bloopers, essentially. But then um, my senior year came along, and I had a, an elective that I had to pick. And one of my friends told me, oh, dude, you got to pick no, film. It's you know, it's easy. You just go. You watch movies. You don't do anything all day. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I got film as my elective, and it turns out I fucking loved it. Um, mostly thanks to the professor I had. Shout out uh, Mr. Moreno, uh, my high school film teacher that that essentially put me on this path that i'm on now um and i don't know man it just like the way he the way he described things with such passion like it made me want to be part of that you know and the way he described how movies were made and the first thing he said like the first day of class was like i'm gonna ruin movies for you guys because you're gonna know how they're made <laughs> and at the last day of school i was like dude you didn't fucking ruin anything like yeah. you enhanced, enhanced the way i see movies because now i'm part of this world and i i love it and i'm so grateful for it and then after that like i even told my parents like halfway through the school year i was like yeah i'm not gonna study architecture in college i'm gonna go to film school and my, nice. my parents were like all right <laughs> so i did um i went to and then i went to film school and I, which is where i met this guy uh, let me take the lead from there and let's see where he where his background um the funny part about me is also that um i think the whole like awakening moment of like oh my god i really like mm -hmm. telling stories was ironically enough english three there's a section for some reason they were talking about composition and i'm like oh this is cool so they asked us to make like, a little video um nice. i mean before i had like what a little, was huh what grade was this it was like 11th Oh, nice, so nice. English but, class? Just, yeah, it was, was like random. Makeup. It was wow. random as hell. That's fucking cool. I mean, before that, I had a little, like, cassette yeah. camcorder that would, like, just shoot random stuff. But that day, there was, like, literally storyboards that we had to fill out and stuff like that. And then we were asked to shoot something. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And at that time, I always knew I wanted to do either uh, culinary, film production, or architecture. Um, <laughs> architecture was the first one I dropped because I'm like I like designing I don't like the mathematics and all that yeah. shit fuck that um, which is ironic because there's math everywhere so there's no real escaping it but um, so I started math is power yeah so I started doing um, I started studying culinary in college and one semester I had an open slot for a class and I chose acting because I, I, I enjoyed I was part of the thespian in high school uh, and that brought me back to film because someone asked me to be part of their short film i even though it was just on a school level being on set seeing all those lights and the camera and the boom and all that i'm like i need to do this 
So for several years, it was like constant like tug of pool between culinary and film. And uh, I met him in film one. My first film school film was with him. Nice. So it's crazy that like wow, several years journey, after, because yeah. we had film one and film two together. And then we all, we both went our separate ways trying to do life stuff, you know, trying to realize the fuck life is all about. Life happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <Good> shout out. <laughs> um, and sometime last year, I started to reinvest in film again. I bought the Black Magic. I started buying some lights. It's like January, I think. Yeah. And my neighbor upstairs had his own gym. So it led to me. Shout out Jay, by the way. Iron Fist Gym. Uh, if you're in Miami, check it out. Oh, Where yeah. Dude, great trainer. Um, Noted. But, um, yeah. Um, I walked out one day with my camera. He's like, do you do photography, man? I'm like, no. I actually not what he, For the record, that's not what he sounds like. No, this I is know. just Andy's impression of a, a, a recall. I, I mean, impressed. this is everyone's impression. Of <laughs> <laughs> Everyone talks like this. How you doing, man? In my head, it sounded that way. So let me have it. Um, so, is that? Do you take pictures, bro? And it's like, nah, bro. I do video. Why? Oh, because I've been trying. To... Yeah, he said that. Nice. This is where your flashbacks sound like. But um, on a staying on track. Um, he essentially was saying that he was trying to look for someone to do a promo because he has a gym that he's building and all that stuff. And I was a month of being him, of me talking with him back and forth. And then I, I saw that he started posting about like film stuff again. He started posting like some BTS, of photo shoots and whatever. And I don't know what got into me, but I just hit him up like, yo, remember me? What's up, man? How you been? Uh, you still doing film? And then essentially one thing led to another where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this by myself. Mm -hmm. um, let me hit him up. Yo, Abe, you want to, let's meet up. Let's go to Starbucks and read, like catch ourselves up and mm -hmm. see if we can do something with this. And like they say, the rest was history. We we did that. Then we did like the 48 hour. Then we did uh, a short film, Creative Motion. We did um, that. Um, you got baked. That was really the solid, the solidification it's of the It's titled uh, Critical Fail. Critical yeah. Fail. Um, Fantastic. It is. I, I got to watch it. I'm really yeah. excited. I mean, we'll, after we wrap, we'll yeah. show you the stuff. For but sure. um, essentially, uh, it was a relationship that was building that had a deadline because we already knew we wanted to move um and he wanted to move too uh at first it was probably not possible because of the relationship then that yeah. fell through and now he was really interested and when we came up here to scout the houses something happened with management that really aggravated us that realistically speaking the one of the main reasons that that i pushed to move to have you move in with us was because if I'm gonna suffer, I might as well suffer with this motherfucker. <laughs> let's, let's provide an opportunity for him to like. Oh, and boy, did we suffer together. Yeah. So, literally, within 24 hours, he responded, Yeah, I'll do it. So, nice. it, was, it was everything that, that's been the Vision Media Group has been very like based off reaction. Like, yeah. Like being ready for the opportunity. Because, kind of going back to everything that we always talk about this show and this show is. Luck is just a facade that really is kind of supplement. You make your own luck. Yeah, you make your own luck, or better yet, luck is a result of being ready and constantly preparing. My dad mm -hmm. says it all the time. So it was That's just true. It was just no, I that. You. And something that we learned together is 
through this podcast, through all the shoots we've done is we can either orbit around what we want to do and just talk about it and just let time go by or we just start doing something. Yeah. At the end of the day, day one of this podcast, I, I can assure you that we didn't get over 100 listeners, let alone over 10. Yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta go. You just gotta so, do it. So don't overthink it. Just do it. Do it and you get better. And yeah. and whatever mistakes you make, that's how you build on it. Actually, yeah. to piggyback on yeah. that, um, you had you had mentioned that you uh, you kind of fell off of film for a bit. Yeah. Um, until early last year, until like January last year, when you hit me up, um, and you said that the reason you hit me up because you saw I started posting on on Instagram about like BTS and stuff like that. Because I actually went through the same thing where um, after after film school, I was doing a, a, a I was doing a some work for this production company. It was like an internship, um, but it was like all PA work and people I was working with were, you know, pretty toxic. I didn't really like them that much. I don't think they, I don't think they treated me um, as respectfully as I wanted them to. Um, so I kind of like uh, slowly took myself away from that situation. I started just working like regular jobs. Like I worked at a restaurant um, then I worked at like an appliance repair company and stuff, but I was fucking miserable. Like I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, you know? Um, and then I met one of my good friends, Justin, who, um, shout out Justin, who, by the way, him and I are developing a comic book series together, Heartline wow. Comics. Yeah. Keep, stay tuned for sick. that. Yeah. yeah. Stay tuned for that. There's a, the first book is uh, coming out soon. Uh, it's called Deja. Um, oh, yeah. but anyway, I met him and he, he was like a real go-getter. He's a musician. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's like an R&B so artist. He goes under Spiffy, right? He goes under Spiff. Spiff. Shout out Spiff. Uh, Shout you can find Spiff. him on all platforms. He has a lot of good music. And you, um, uh, To interrupt the real quick, you even had like a little feature on one of the Oh, yeah. Tracks, right? I, I was featured on two of his songs. Hell yeah. Uh, nice. Oh, my God. On all platforms. That's cool. Uh, Spiff. Is he looking at what about a music video for him? Um, yeah, we've been meaning to to do a music video. He's He's been like trying to find a song for, for us gotcha. to do, but... He's back in Miami right now, so look him up. He's fucking super chill guy. Anyway, point is that I met this dude um, through mutual friends, and he just like him and I hit it off immediately. We became really close, and then he uh, he he was like such a go getter, like you know what I mean. He moved down to Miami from New York when I met him, and he was like, "I'm gonna be a musician, and I'm gonna fucking go, and I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna get it. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what obstacles are in my way. I'm gonna get it done. Whatever means." whatever means are necessary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, bro, like, I really respect that. And I was sitting here, like, in my other job, like, not doing shit, you know what I mean? Going home, like, doing nothing, going to sleep, waking up the next day, rinse and repeat. And I was like, man, I, I got to take a page out of this guy's book. Mm-hmm. So I started doing, I started, I, I, I used my, uh, some money that I that I had come into, um, and I bought a camera. I bought my, my Sony uh, A7S III. Um, shout out Sony, yeah. sponsor us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and... I, I just started taking pictures. I just started hitting up some friends like, hey, dude, like musician friends that I had, like, hey, dude, let's do a music video um, or let's do, a, let's do a photo shoot or whatever. I have a few musician friends back in Miami. Uh, shout out B. Anton. He's also a really good musician over there. Um, and he's a, a good friend of mine. since I've known him since we were kids. So I just hit him up and I was like, dude, let's do some photo shoots or whatever. So I just started constantly posting on Instagram. And then that's when this guy found me. And nice. as he said, the rest is history. You know what's crazy? I don't know if I've ever told you this. Um, before Division Media Group, I had an actual page, Division Indie Films. Yeah. Uh, DVIFFL. And I remember that. I, I was so upset when it happened. I, I fucked up and it was asking me for, for birth year for some reason. Mm-hmm. So I put the birth year of the company, but it thought I was like, 
Oh, five years old or something. <laughs> so it, it blocked it. I couldn't really get touch of Facebook uh, to kind of like undo it. So literally, that whole page of my work just got deleted. And it was devastating. But if you look beyond the storm. But what year did you make it? Maybe when it turns 18, we can access it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it's already, it's, it's in the past. I think we've matured beyond that. Mm -hmm. But the point is that sometimes the most darkest moments are a representation of something better that's waiting for you across the storm. So if that never happened, I wouldn't have rethought the division brand. I would have never taken an opportunity to like, all right, this is a new phase. This is a different entity, maybe with different people. So you ever notice how beautiful a day is after a really bad storm? Yeah. yeah. The clouds I mean, look like outside. It was like raining like hell earlier today. Yeah. It's, oh. So it's, Slow. it's, it's, I guess our message real quick is things happen as they should. You just need to stay in the motion of things because you're, if you just lock yourself in a, in, in a room with the blinds closed and the door locked, there's only so much that can happen. So always get out there, get ready to get dirty, fall in the mud and just literally crawl your way out of every situation possible because it's it's how you move past it. I mean, what I'm telling these guys now is right now things are rough financially and, and just like mentally because of the strikes and lack of work. But, it's tough. you know, you, you don't transform anything without terraforming. Like if you don't shake the ground, if you don't make some like raptures in the in the known, you're not gonna find something new. You're not gonna go beyond what's already built. You you're just gonna be there. So I wanna believe that all this chaos, all this terraforming that's happening is because we're actually terraforming our lives. So it's I mean, it's crazy that you're only twenty going back to that. But what I really take away from like all these things is being able to share with not only the listeners but our guests and anyone that's willing to listen because with division my main goal is to shorten that gap where i wish i could have had a like a less headache of a journey mm -hmm. and be like yo mateo how can i help you how can i make your journey less of a fucking headache so that's that's my ethos that's kind of like what i directly and indirectly kind of tell the team uh shout out andy drill and Rio. Rio. and abe i mean i just tell them that whatever i can provide i'll do it but i expect that you keep up mm -hmm. your own standards like i'm only giving you tools it's up to you to yeah. use them yeah now does that answer your question yeah, well, yeah. how you guys got into film? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of mental work. What about you, dude? Do you, um, it's it's yeah, it's bro, not this a your long show. Story. I mean, it you're is. Just, yeah, you're doing us. You guys, shut up! Oh, I appreciate God, it though. Um, with uh, you guys know Rooster Teeth, a production company in Texas. Nah. So they they make a lot of like YouTube stuff, but do you know Red versus Blue? Yes. So Rooster Teeth is the production company behind that, and oh. they they made if you don't know it, they made a show with a video game Halo, and they it's like the mo literally zero budget. Literally, they got their Xbox 360 headsets, recorded lines, and recorded characters bobbing heads up and down, and started as a comedy show. It was pretty funny. Like the writing was pretty smart, and it was like no CG. It was just you know they were playing and you know making a story out of it. 
10 seasons later, uh, it got a lot of money. It had a lot of views. They had uh, halfway through the show, they started implementing animation and CGI and they had like a plot and it was intense and it was awesome. And, and um, I watched that when it came out, which I was probably like seven at the time. Mm. But I was, um, I was like, oh man, dude, I want to make stuff. Like, that's awesome. You can make this whole thing from like a video game. It's like just that starting point. And that's when I got into like art. And then I was always into editing and then VFX and then basically film class happened where um, I was given the opportunity to grab people who, you know, it's it's hard to grab a random person and film with them. But if they're in a film class, they're like, okay, well, it's for homework. I'll do something. So I was able to direct something and man, it was so fun. And uh, the, I knew I was in the, in the film because it was a long project I did. I scheduled like a 12-hour shoot. There was some drama with the actors. One of the actors I was working with was actually the ex of my current girlfriend at the time, so it was a little tense. I don't even think he knew that at the time, which is why the drama happened. But it was like, it was insane. And then at the end of the shoot, I passed out on like my staircase, but then the actor had to like wake me up to drive him home. And I was like so exhausted, but I was like, holy crap, I could do this every single day for the rest of my life. Like if if I'm at this point, and like sometimes I'm doing math homework and I want to stop before I even started, but I'm like about to die right now and I'm still ready to do more, then it's probably something I want to do for the rest of my life. And then money, money, money. Now I want to do it for the rest of my life. It changed though. It used to be directing, or no, it used to be editing. And I just shot stuff to have something to edit. And then it turned into cinematography. And then I realized 40 short films later that I've been producing the entire time and I really like doing that because I was I like managing people and and I worked with students and kids who weren't being paid <laughs> it was like you know passion projects so it was hard to manage them and you know you can't you can't you can overwork someone with with nothing you gotta you know it's it's something that we're all working together so keeping energy up and enthusiasm and, and optimism and I realized confidence how infectious it is like a happy director everyone's happy man everyone's happy and and you see someone excited and you get excited and you know ideas start flowing and i'm a very when i am directing or producing or shooting i'm almost always checking on my corner if i have an editor um with us like a what's it called vtr yeah vtr i always ask them hey what do you think (laughs) i'll talk to the ac what do you think i'll talk to the director like i'll I'll always be looking for input and going out of my way um even when i know i'm not going to change anything sometimes i'll just be like man what what would you do and it happens when i'm an ac sometimes if i see all shooting actually happened with reed i was like what would you do differently just just to see just to see what's going through your mind because i don't know what i would do differently there's some ideas that i have but you know sometimes it's, it's exactly what i would do and it's just cool to brainstorm i talk I, that's that's yeah i talk a lot too <laughs> the process of filmmaking is a huge like communicative uh process teamwork uh, so yeah i mean having having people that you can come to and be like hey what, what do you think of this and they give you like a good opinion yeah an honest uh, answer an honest, is important yeah, an honest opinion and if you're someone who and i know you are someone who can take constructive criticism well then it's just a, a recipe for something great. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, it blows my mind that some directors are DPs because I was told that in film school, like never to, if someone asks you, like never never say anything negative about anything because some DPs and directors their egos are way too high. You don't even you don't even want to try and yeah. step on them. Those are the those are the people no one wants to work. I know they don't hire them. I, I don't know how like uh, it's it's insane the stories I've heard. Actually, shout out to Kyla. Um, she told me she worked on. I don't know how much I can say, but I won't say much. But the directors that she was working with were fucking douchebags, apparently. Like, insane douchebags. Working with, like, Will Smith. Like, a big-ass movie. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know how the hell those people get those projects. Like, 
you guys like you don't like being here you know <laughs> you don't like all I mean, this stress like, are you Some, not having fun dude exactly like, something that um and you met jeremiah shout out to jeremiah uh something he said on the podcast is for those people that are kind of like insecure about whether to speak up or to kind of kind of call out bad ethics uh just because you're afraid to miss out on any future opportunities uh, something he said is that the reality is the the group of producers, the group of directors, mm-hmm. you might be tempted to kind of bite your tongue and like just deal with it. But if you if you protect yourself and you know what you're worth and decide to like either confront or walk away from that situation and you meet someone else or whatever, the producers know the shitty producers from the good producers mm-hmm. and they know the good directors from the shitty directors. So I something I started implementing is like I'm down to always do like the low budget, the ultra compromised stuff uh, that require us to kind of like give more than we get than, than what we get. But now it's like, look, I don't mind compromising my standards, but you need to also compromise your expectations. Yeah, 100%. And if you have a problem with that, I'm going to walk. Especially when it's low budget. And if you're going to talk shit about me because I knew my worth, well, people are going to know what your work ethic is. So you should be more worried about how you navigate your ship because I know how I'm going to navigate mine. Um, So never get, like, never, never put up with shit. Never, if if someone's trying to push you 15 hours for like 100 bucks a day or, or like no meal or whatever speak up the end of the day with anything and everything you do when you confront someone one of two things will happen either they're gonna slam the door in your face or they're gonna have a like a reawakening and they're gonna be like holy crap you know what i'm sorry you're right and at the end of the day you don't want to be surrounded by the people that are gonna smack you in the door and in, in the face with the door if you're just requesting the bare minimum yeah you don't want to be surrounded by that group because you're better than that you want to be surrounded by people that will listen to you and consider you. That's why I always say, and especially since you're, you said you want to kind of strive into producing. Or it's kind of As like an a, end all, I, I do want to do it, but that's like way ahead. That's after I've been a successful cinematographer. Something you, you should always remember, and this goes even on any department, because PAs are the ones that get it the worst. So yeah. always remember that if I can't pay you what you're worth, I'm going to treat you with yeah. your worth. I'm going to treat, I'm going to value your time. I'm going to value your interest. And at the end of the day, my influence on you is going to determine your influence on the next generation. So I'm, I have a higher responsibility. So mm-hmm. that's why uh, at this point I admit it, but everyone tells me I'm a hello producer because I get shit done and all that stuff. All I really do at the end of the day is what is the most ethical and humane procedure to to kind of navigate the ship Mm -hmm. what what do we need to feed them to make them happy what does what do the snacks need to be for them to have something to snack on what are what are the conversations so anything and everything i do is always how can i how can i make this experience worth your while Mm -hmm. it's the little details that matter yeah it's literally just that like even if you're over Let's say you're 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 starting to go over lunch a bit. Don't not that as a bow. Like just be like, hey guys, uh, I know we're behind. Um, l- the lunch is a bit late. Do you guys mind waiting a bit? Like 
be transparent, bro. These these yeah. guys are giving their time and skills for your vision. Don't 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 play them that way. And when it comes to DPing as well, like when you have a new cat that is pulling photos for the first time or is in the or camera department the first time, don't fucking judge them because they don't know some terminology. Guide them. Teach them. Uh, yeah. I can't believe that happens. It happens, bro. I know. I know. And, it, like, and, it, and it like it, it, someone who's who's it's like, oh, you don't know what a you don't know what a limo is. I'm like, no. Yeah, no. So <laughs> and, and that sucks because someone who's green and is trying to learn and have an experience like that, it makes them like not want to do this anymore. Yeah. And there's nothing more crushing than having something you're passionate about and then being told. You know, you you're not gonna you know you suck at this. You, and that's what almost what happened to both of us. When you when you don't going back to our little like origin story, that's we that's our the reason of our hiatus because life kicked our ass that hard that we're like, I, I need I need to step back. I need to I need to actually do adult stuff because this is this is really breaking me. But yeah, it really like made us question if we were. It's not even our fault. It's the fault of those that are influencing bad ethics. Yeah. That's why, again, here at Division, we we strive and focus on inspiration and motivation on the next generation. How can I help you grow by helping us in the creative gym? podcast yeah. and the short films mm-hmm. keep in mind that even if you're someone who is very experienced and you know really know you know really well what you're doing you can always teach someone but you always have something to learn as well everyone yes. has some, regardless of your experience level there's always something to yeah. be learned you never know everything there's always something exactly. to learn especially in the film world where oh literally on a daily basis there's a, there's a new update there's a new gadget there's, there's a, a new, new light there's a fucking new term it's like you never know you never know but um yeah, um, there's something earlier we said, like, when, before we started recording that I really wanted to tackle. Drugs. No, no, we tackled that nicely. Oh, uh, writer's block. You're saying that you have an issue right now trying to really, because you, you came from a point that you were shooting a short film yeah, every month. At least and every now. month, yeah. Sometimes three times a month. It was, it was as many as I possibly could, and I was loving it. But it, some of them I didn't write. Some of them were gigs or... Um, well, actually, no. Those don't count really gigs, but most of them were, were stuff I I wrote, kind of. But the stuff I write isn't that much dialogue-heavy. It's more action-based heavy. Yeah. And I only have a couple of shorts that I've done that were dialogue-heavy. And my last one that I did was dialogue-heavy. And it's, like, it's my favorite script I've done. It's obviously not perfect, but, like, I love it. I, I, I It's a lot of me in that, which I don't really normally do. And, and dialogue is always hard for me because you can kind of feel it being written but this one at times it does at times it doesn't which is the farthest i've gotten yeah so i was really proud of that but it's just that it it didn't not that it took a lot but it's i don't really trust in myself to write something that i think is better than that maybe i can and um and i i like i want to put more personal experiences in it because i realized when i wrote about things that I think about or things that I say or things that I've experienced, it's so much better. <laughs> it's way better. Versus writing about like an assassin who who has to hide a body. It's like something I've never really... Well, so you're saying... <clears throat> I mean, I'm trying to understand what you mean, but you're saying that you've ri- you've already written something that you're very proud of yeah. and you're not sure if you can write something... Top it, that, yeah. yeah. Top it to the point where I... I mean, I didn't put money into that project. Yeah. Here's my advice, dude. Don't worry about topping it. 
um, it doesn't matter how good what you've written is. Don't worry about whether the next thing you write is better or worse. Worry about whether it's different. Um, as you as you grow, as you experience life, you know things are always going to change, and your perception on certain things are always going to develop constantly from one day to the next. And like we just mentioned mm -hmm. a, a few seconds ago, there's always something to be learned. So if you're if you're stuck on something, like if you if you feel like you're not going to top your last script, I mean, you, you just might, you know, give it some time. Mm -hmm. um, kind of, like the best the best writers know that you know write what you know. So yeah. Uh, you put something together you use what you've learned in your life what you've learned since the last project since the last thing that you wrote and it might not be better it might not be worse but it is going to be different and that's something that you can really value uh you know because it's something that's coming from a genuine place and something that's coming from uh a, a perception that you have that only you have experienced mm -hmm. and maybe some other other people can relate to it um but it's not going to be anything that's ever been done before you know what I mean? I would even say, besides different, because different can be very controversial at times. It's like, it's kind of going like, oh, I've heard that story before. So it's like different for me. I wouldn't put in the best. Yeah, you've heard the story before, but you've never heard it from me. From me. Yeah. That, it's a that's why the, what I would say to kind of even more, give it more like meaning, write something that's just authentic. Like, this, it doesn't have exactly. to be like, world changing different it just has to be something that you believe in that it's meaningful to you mm -hmm. like don't try to replicate something don't try to to kind of like just force something you can always be inspired by yeah. something but write something that's authentic to yeah. you why did you get into writing it's not to impress other it's people it's really fun i love writing i, I start writing and if i have something that i like like an idea yeah. i like it's usually a done script after that and it's just revising it until i'm right because you love to write yeah not because writing, you so want fun. someone else to see it and and be impressed i think I my think problem actually is that i don't think i'm good at writing that's why I, it's like i love it but I'm like i gotta work on it i gotta take classes i gotta keep writing and my problem is i, w I only write when it's an idea i really like mm -hmm. i should be writing shitty ideas i should be putting stuff down and practicing i mean there's so many waiting there's so many methods to how do you yeah to, how, how do you brainstorm that because oftentimes i like I, I first of all i don't think i'm a bad writer i i hope you don't think i'm a bad writer there's a reason why you're the the chief writer of the, of the <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were gonna say there's a reason you're not the writer or something like that. <laughs> um no but i i one of the things i do most is ask other people for their opinion and you know some people are afraid like oh if they see my script they're gonna steal it and that's fine because like i just said whatever if they see my my story my concept yeah. and they read it themselves it's not it's gonna theirs, it doesn't no. matter how, how hard they try it's not gonna be the same yeah because they don't see the world the way that i see it yeah no if you does. put a script in the middle between the three of us and we all shoot it oh, it'll be completely different it'll be, oh, it'll three be completely, completely different, different yeah. films. But yeah, like I often ask people, cool like idea, I always come to Andy for advice because I know him specifically. He always knows uh, how how I feel more or less how I think, mm -hmm. uh, and he knows usually what direction I'm trying to do. And and it's he understands me better than most people, so it's easier for me to um, explain and and express myself to him. So I always ask him for advice when I'm writing something. It's like, what do you think of this? And then he'll give me some tips. And then even if what he says isn't something that I use, it inspires a new idea, you know? And it makes me think like, oh, damn, that's a great idea. 
but what if this instead? And then you start to kind of develop it. So if you're stuck on your own, go to someone else. And that'll come yeah, my, my feedback is never, oh, you should do this, you should do that. I think that's what like if? very invasive. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's not my vision to dictate. I think the best writing rooms are the ones that are filled with what ifs. And you have the yeah. chief captain that's navigating the ship and the, the rest of the people are just... Sounds fun. It, it can be like ready, ready. We had a little like writing session for his feature that he's writing. Nice. And I oh, just awesome. we sat Terrifying. right here and we literally just I asked him, oh, what if this? What if that? Oh, that's cool. I really like that. Why? And then that if I not, ended up with a with like a page and a half of bullet points. To and not nice. just what if. Okay. Like what if is the spark, but then also like the whys. Like what if this? But why is that happening yeah. now? Let's let's ground it. Why would why would Jerry react this way against? Lila's asking why is super important when yeah yeah I I do that all the time if someone sends me a script for like input I'll be like why the hell is this so happening let me, let me, why is this character doing let me this say something real quick then uh, my honest my honest my honest feedback to you is bro shut the fuck up you you know writing like you're just being way too fucking hard on yourself you're you're overthinking it so you're, I can get better you you can get better by just doing it don't overthink it because that's where you start going into that like like that just damn limbo no, when it gets like to the point where it's stopping me it's a problem I, I always like having a little bit of this is good but i know i can do better i'm gonna keep doing of it course. so i can get better you but can always do better exactly i i like having that mentality but sometimes it gets in the way sometimes it stops me from doing something and it's a weird when that happens ground. bring it to an external perspective bring it to us let's talk about it because maybe it's like same thing that happened to Grio the other day with the promo that we we're developing he was overthinking it and it's like you're not overthinking you're just you care that much and you're probably yeah. like over dissecting everything let's just talk about it and clear your mind up because what you have in mind is good you're just kind of like over funneling it to the point that you're like oh this is not good anymore yeah it's just part of the process of like our investment to our creative like ideas it yeah. happens and that's why we include other people that's why we include a dp to bring mm -hmm textures into visuals that's why we bring gaffers to illuminate those textures that's why we bring art department to actually create those textures that that just make the world so it's you just i think to get out of that you just need to start like talking to your director friend talking to us because you have what i consider the ethics of a writer you're just kind of lost in here you're lost of like, ah, oh, where am I at right now? I just, I'm trying to cap the last one. Don't, don't try to cap yeah. anything. Just do it. Just uh, one thing that, that kind of stumps me a lot when I'm, when I'm writing an issue that I have that I'm mm -hmm. actively working on is sometimes I'll start to write something. And before I even get to the next line, like I'm thinking ahead of what mm -hmm. I'm writing before I'm putting it onto paper or putting it to the screen, whatever, however you want to write. And I start thinking and I and I get it way ahead of myself and then I start to like give myself plot holes and and reasons why it wouldn't work before I even write it down and it's like it it, it stops me and it makes me it, it it gives me like huge block and I, I don't know how to get past it because I have all these ideas in my head and none of them are gonna work together so what I try to do which I want to do more often is something that like I said I'm actively working on is instead of getting ahead of myself in my head just the first thing that comes to mind 
Just keep, write, write it down. Yeah. Finish it. Write it down. And then come back to it. And then start doing the overthinking. And then once I see something that might not work, okay, I know how it's going to end now at least. Yeah. So how can I change it so that it makes sense? And so on and so on. So you're writing a feature right now? I am. I'm, like I'm only like 15 pages in. I How's think, it going uh, so far? Like, comp, like, I, I want to say it's not, so it's not bad so far. I think it's a good concept. Uh, he started with like writing what was like 16 pages, maybe 20. Do you start with like an outline of like start, middle, end? Or do you just go for it? No. Just, so, you, so you feel what is going to So there's different, there's different ways that I've, I've worked before. What works best for me is, first of all, I write immediately. As soon as I think of an idea, I write it down. Whatever's in my head, I write it down, even if it doesn't make sense. Um, and then I start to kind of make it grow from there. It's like one of those, it's like planting a seed mm -hmm. and then and then nurturing it. And I, I'll write it down. Um, this is my most common thing. My, the, the th what works for me mostly when I write is I, I write down the idea and then even if it's just like a one sentence thing and then from that idea, I'll make an elevator pitch. Yeah. Then I'll write a log line. Then I'll write a full outline from beginning to end. Then from that outline, I'll start giving, I'll make a skeleton of a script. Then from that, I start giving it meat and bones. Wow. Okay. Right. There's other ways that I've written before, which I, I think are, I don't want to say they're inferior, but this just the other way works for me better. Um, where I just kind of like word vomit onto a page mm -hmm. and just go, write the whole thing from beginning to end without even thinking. And then just kind of like structure it from there, which takes a little bit more time um, and is usually a little bit more chaotic mm -hmm. and it's kind of hard to keep track of which is why i don't do that as often but it does work and it does help with you know uh, avoiding being having writer's block uh just kind of like throwing it all on a paper and then making sense of it later you know what i mean it's like when you're when you're making a puzzle you kind of just dump everything onto the table yeah. you start flipping the little pieces and then as you're flipping the little pieces, you start to see the pattern mm -hmm. uh, and you kind of start putting stuff together little by little. And yeah, it takes some time, but eventually you'll have the puzzle completed uh, as opposed to just like grabbing one piece at a time and then trying to figure out where it fits. For me, it's, it might be a controversial statement, but for me, it's like Tourette's. It's just literally <laughs> like, it's just something that just is like wanting to like get oh, out okay. of me. And what I normally do, I literally just go on the couch pull out notes mm -hmm. and I just start writing and I write and I write and what navigates it is more than anything an emotional direction but also when I write it I'm also acting so I'm 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 saying like I'm saying the dialogue but then I'm like no they wouldn't say that uh, yeah this and that. No, saying so it out loud is a f oh my god it's the best fucking help ever you'll be like holy shit that sounds awful or you'll be like yeah, yeah I literally in that couch I've written a few of my shorts and I read a few nice. of the skits and it's just me literally yeah it's literally me just regurgitating this impulsive like necessity and just putting it on 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 a digital paper and try to make sense of it and for the most part the only thing that really needs to be revised is the dialogue most of the time because at least I write different every so I'm very aware of the structure and the rules and all that, but I'm also in that point where like I know the rules. I'm choosing to break them a bit mm -hmm. to apply to how I want to shape them. As you should. Um, and the way I write scripts, the actions are very descriptive, meaning like I kind of like provide gestures. I never do camera angles. I let the DP take care of that, but yeah. I, t I do actions and I do uh, 
little fidgeted movements that I really see the character doing. Uh, Bits of importance yeah. should be on the script. But the dialogue, and uh, again, I'll get to that in a sec, but the dialogue, just like the actions, at the end of the day, I'm just writing a template. I'm just writing a reference because that is just a reference sheet for me to give the talent to really bring it to life. So actually, I'm pretty similar to. It's very rare that. That's I'm, how I write dialogue too. It's very rare that I'm like, I need you to say word for word. Exactly. I'm like, what do you think this should be? And then once I see the actual the cast come together, I'm like, you know, let's change the yeah. interaction right now because I, I same way. Yeah. So, same I always way. when it comes to well, two things I want to say. First, um, there's there's I I recommend um, reading screenwriting books. It helps uh, save knowing. The I have to not have not save the cat. Save the cat is very basic. It is it is helpful. Yeah. Um, outlining wise, but as far as like getting really into the meat and bones of the of the of the structure, understanding structure, understanding um, character development, uh, understanding progression, mm-hmm. understanding um, consequences, uh, stakes, etc. That that all really helps you. Uh, formatting, for example, that that all really helps you kind of push the story forward and and kind of piece together everything and make it like really cohesive uh, and a really good story um, however it's important that if you have if you have if you, if you know the structure if you have already like a, a baseline of like how to get a good story like it's it's I wouldn't recommend just sticking to that format you know what I mean that's the format is meant to be a reference essentially and then you make it your own and short films are weird short films are like yeah not they don't have to really conform exactly. to the typical structure exactly. and everything. It's it's you know you it's it's important to know it and it's and it's good because it helps you as a writer you know move past mm-hmm. blocks and stuff. Uh, but it's not a bible. It's not something that you have to abide by constantly. It's it's more so that you understand the rules so that you know how to break them properly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same um, with DP. Same with directing. Exactly. With, yeah. And the, the other thing I was gonna say was when it comes to acting. Um, I focus more personally. I focus more on the development of a character as opposed to their dialogue, because I want the the reader, or, or not the reader, but the, the talent when they're reading the script. I want them to really understand who this character is and what they're going through in this story. And the dialogue is more or less a guide of, as, as to what's happening in a specific yeah. scene. But what the character is feeling, I want the, the talent, I want the actor to put themselves in that character's shoes with the information, with the with the what I've provided them, with the information of the character that I've provided them, um, and then give me what they feel mm. this character would say in that moment within this the parameter yeah. of the scene. No, I'm I'm the exact same. Way. I almost always when I start a shoot, every single time I give them the the people a script and the, the AD a line script, I'll say. Do not take this seriously. This, the lines that you see here are what is, you know, they're basic, right? You can absolutely do whatever you feel you need to do to them, what you feel is right to be said. Like sometimes it'll say, like, for it can be as small as, like, hi, how are you doing? Instead of that, say, hey, how, what's up? Like that yeah. kind of, like, you can do whatever you want. It's a free roam. As long as you get the idea across, I do not care. And the reason I was so proud of that script, um, that the latest script, was because I said that every single scene we did, which I think was, it was, uh, like four major scenes or yeah five uh and every single actor that i worked with i think six of them weren't people i knew the other six were people i knew 
they refused to change the lines. I told them like, hey, you can like, no, I really like that line. I want to keep it. And there was a line that I didn't like, and he was like, no, I like it. And then he said it, and I was like, oh, I like him saying it. Maybe I just, yeah. I just didn't. And that comes from you said you mentioned earlier that that script has a lot of yourself in it. So I, I, I assume that you have a really good understanding of the characters in the script. So that's where that dialogue comes from is is having a really good understanding of the characters and whether they're reactive or proactive and how they would behave in a, in a given situation, what they would say, what they would do. Yeah. Um, and it no, sounds I, like you fucking nailed I, it. I got talked out of so many things that is, you know, obviously I have the people that I really trust that are on my corner like, yeah. helping me. But there are times where I was like, no, let's cut this line. They're like, no, no, keep it. Like, stop. Don't yeah. do anything about it. And, and the reason I was talking about uh, Jenna, uh, shout out Jenna, the most talented actress I know, is... Um, that was like beat for beat. Some actors like had spaces in between. Mm -hmm. Everything said, like sh she was fake smoking, for example. Yeah. And but like the coughs that she did, which was you know fake, it was like holy shit. It's <laughs> like in the, in the spaces between lines, the cough, then line, then cough again was like exactly how it was written. I was like, what? The? Like she followed everything to a T. And I could barely. It was like loud too. I didn't even. I couldn't really really direct that much then. But it was like. I had a, a version of the film that had the script like beneath it. You know those videos on Instagram where they have the script under it to see like yeah. what actors did and did with the script. And it was like exactly what it wrote. It was insane. And I've never seen an actor be that spot on. Like I said, all of it was, every single actor did every single line as it was written. But the way it was like, like I don't know, I can't describe it. It's like the pronunciations on periods, explanation points, the gaps, the, the, the commas, like everything was identical to how I would say it and how I wrote it. And I was, I was like impressed as hell. But um, that being said, I do want to ask, I have a couple friends um, like uh, that want to get into acting a lot. Um, and obviously I, the biggest thing is you film your own, you find someone who's running to film, film it and, you know, practice. But I was wondering if you know any ways of practicing that don't involve an actual film. Cause you know, you want to have at least a little bit of, a little bit of pizzazz when you get on set and not just, I've never done this before. I want to act. Um, I've, I've, I'm not an actor. You're, you're more of an actor than I am. So I'll go first and then I'll let you top it off. Um, I, I do direct, so I guess maybe I do have some value to this input. Hopefully, mm -hmm. um, I think maybe a good way, uh, for that is to self tape and mm -hmm. just watch yourself over and over. I know that's a lot of advice that people give when you're a singer, you know, just yeah. record yourself, listen to it, find the mistakes, work on them study uh other actors that you admire uh if if you give yourself a specific scene that requires a specific mood study people that have or study performances in that mood switch it up do different things you know just kind of like keep yourself on your toes i think also uh, working with a scene partner with somebody else um, one, yeah. that is also trying to do the same thing is very helpful and being open about giving each other notes and communicating about oh uh, you know a constructive criticism you can do this better let's try it this way you know or work with someone who is possibly a director or someone yeah. who, who's a writer um and perform something for them and then see how they like it and have them tell you like okay now the character might do this a little bit more like this and then uh take those notes into account and i think with that as, as it is with anything it's all about just constantly practicing on your own and then just watching yourself and seeing what your mistakes are and and you know, operating on it and seeing where you can improve from that. Uh, take it away. Um, I might be bullshitting here, but a scene is just a short 
way of saying a scenario, a moment. A lot of people get caught up in trying to act and trying to just replicate something. I always tell people that I start with every actor that I meet. What is an emotion? I challenge them. Oh, it's the feeling. It's this. It's that. Like the like the basic bullshit. But the reality, the conclusion that I came to is, you have to understand that an emotion is just a mental input. It's something that you're thinking about that's provoking an emotional reaction. I when when I direct, I don't really say feel this feel that i ask them questions i i become a therapist i become a psychiatrist i'm like why do you think jerry's feeling this way like have you ever felt heartbroken what, what were you feeling there well yeah that's that's exactly what jerry needs to kind of like portray because this moment is so unexpected and so out of his control that that's just like literally boiling his blood mm-hmm. that he's just about to burst into whatever emotional reaction is gonna happen um that's why i always encourage people if they want to act take improv learn how to be dude dude, improv is so helpful learn how to be in the moment where do you find those where do you find those classes improv yeah you don't even have to do a class dude just look up play a game watch yeah do improv yeah fucking i've never been to an improv class and correct me if i'm wrong but i i like to think i'm pretty freaking good at improv there there was a game that we were playing like a few weeks ago that we were like it was like an alphabet game that every letter oh, you... Oh, find the word? I don't know, but it was like... It was right, an improv game. Essentially, you start, start with a sentence with a new letter of the, the next oh, letter of yeah. the alphabet, and you make a story out of it. Um, there's so many improv games. Watch Whose Line Is It Anyway. So let's, uh, let's give them a quick example. We can start with a... Uh, Abraham, was it raining? Before now, it was. Interesting. Interesting. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce say. that to my friend. Oh, I. Say. Oh shit. You gotta say. You gotta start with this letter C, man. Cock. <laughs> well, yeah. You get it. <laughs> Damn. You get it. You get it. You get it. Yeah, you I get it. it. I got it. But yeah, dude, there's so many improv games. Uh, I grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, which is how I li- I got into improv. I've never had an improv class. Um, one of my one of my really close cousins, um, who I grew up with, is uh, he's a theater actor, um, and. We used to play a lot of improv games when we were kids too, uh, and I used to meet a lot of his like theater friends and stuff. And we used to play a lot of improv games together, and it's so much fun. First of all, it's fucking fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and also it also it, it'll help you, I think, as an actor, um, kind of adapting to to certain things and just kind of being really quick witted and, and coming up with stuff. To kind um, to kind of go back to your question though, because I'm not sure if I answered. What was the sad question? How actors, like, I have a couple friends who want to go to acting and their only experience is me directing them. I want to give them advice to practice on their own. I don't really know. Are they self-acquainted amongst themselves? Um, just, no, 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 no. They're, they don't really work I would together. say start going to acting class. Find an, a local acting class. Uh, I would say we have literally a cinema in our pocket. Pick up yeah, a I phone, know. create an account where you're just doing monologues or... There's nowadays there's many ways to do it. Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is, because again, there's the difference between acting and reacting. Uh, one of my acting teachers taught me that acting doesn't happen with me or with the acting partner. It happens in between. It's a melting pot of energy that you're feeding to the, the core of the moment. It's the moment how you react to it. So I think if 
And beyond that, how is that going to be applicable to, let's say, monolards in the scenario I gave you? Um, make decisions. Don't just say the line. Kind of like make decisions with your face, with your, with the elevation of yeah. your pitch. Like it's just being aware of yourself, being self-aware. I think that's how you become not only a good actor, but a, a very aware human being. And people watch. People watch every now and then because it helps seeing yeah. what type yeah. of characters are out there. I actually agree. I actually like that as a director. I like people watching. I like, uh, and just like I, seeing experiences. I'm like, hey, I, uh, cool. I, I have to shamelessly say that I am an avid people watcher. <laughs> an um, avid. <laughs> I, hate, I hate making eye contact with people, mm -hmm. but I'm like constantly observing mm -hmm. people and their behavior and their mannerisms and their micro expressions and the way um, they react to certain things. Um, whenever I'm having a conversation, I'm like looking at every single square inch of somebody mm -hmm. to see like what they're doing, how they're sitting, how they're talking, their posture. I'm always observing that. And I think that's, I, I can't speak as an actor because I'm not an actor, but as a director or as a writer, mm -hmm. I think it's very helpful uh, understanding the differences between people and how certain characters can yeah. behave and do behave. Yeah, I can never be an actor. Oh my God. I actually want to ask something that is, because we're talking about an external like scenario. I want to bring it to something that's internal that we can all relate. And I want to confront you about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I need that. I need that. Um, what do you think makes a good cinematographer? Oh, that's a very... I, same thing with director. I, I say the same thing. And, and kind of producer as well. Problem solver. Well, let's keep it with... Yeah, well, it, I'm saying every, the answer applies to all of them. Everything is obviously solver. problem solved. Anyone yeah. can... Not anyone can problem solve. But in the realm... Let's let's isolate that department Just and make it more specific. Yeah. Because... Yeah, the realistic answer is that you need to problem solve to be a filmmaker or just to be a yeah. fucking human being. <laughs> so I think that's a little too out there. Uh, as, a, as a cinematographer, as a DP, and through your trials and tribulations, like, what do you think makes a good cinematographer, a good DP, a good like orchestrator of visuals, if you may? Um, there is a thing I've noticed when I was in film school, which was a lot of DPs not willing to make sacrifices. A big one is fill. It's like, it's, you get a key and you get a fill and you get a backlight or whatever. And if you, <laughs> I heard Roger Deacon say this too, which is pretty funny. You don't need that. You don't need all of that. You can do a scene with just a backlight. You've seen it a million times. Mm -hmm. So I think being willing to make those sacrifices, hey, there's just gonna be no fill on this scene, either because of budget complications or time or because you just want that style. I think having the you know mindset okay i'm gonna make this decision i want to i want this i want no fill i'm gonna make this like this is gonna be the problem i'm gonna have question. to deal with who's phil <laughs> i don't know I buddy phil <laughs> but um i feel bad for phil i <laughs> I remember this guy, he, awesome guy. He's actually the only other person that was kind of also trying to be a DP. Is his name Phil? No. <laughs> Ethan Stewart, Stewart Hyder or whatever. I forgot his last name. But he's awesome. He's a great DP. And uh, when I was filming a project, which was probably one of my hardest projects that I had to DP, which was, the reason it was hard, it was a white room with two doors. Ooh, that was yikes. it. So, it. What? <laughs> yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Really hard. And, you know, we had 
we had a, an Airy with Air, uh, Atlas Orion lenses. So we had like an awesome set. So I was like, okay, how the fuck do I make, how do I, you know, there's no background, there's no bokeh, there's no depth. We can't do any of that. And it's, it's all in this like, it was a pain. But one of the decisions I made was it was almost entirely backlit. There was not a single light in the front. There was a couple lights on the side, maybe. I, I, I think I turned them off like a quarter of the way through and I had no bounce boards. Uh, and the entire the time, the room is a bounce board. The whole room is a bounce board. Exactly, the room is white. It, so that was one of the main reasons was because I knew if I pointed one light at anything, it's going everywhere, which is another fucking problem. But uh, during the time, Ethan was like so stressed. I think he was he was the second AC at the time. He was like, dude, he does you do sure? Like, are you hundred percent sure? Like, let's just try it. And of course, I was I turned on some lights just to see, and I knew right away. I was like, no, I'm not gonna do it. And he was skeptical the whole way through. And then at the at the very end, when he saw the project edited and colored, he was like, he raised his hand because we had to show it to like the class. He was like, you know, like I, I remember I told you about this. You made the right call. Like this is like it's it's good. Like you didn't need it at all. Like I like the way it looked. And we had a lot of different lighting like things happen. But like I think there it's just an instinctual thing to be like. It doesn't. Also coloring, by the way. If you if you want to be a cinematographer, I also recommend getting into coloring because knowing what your camera works capable of completely changes how you shoot. It's yeah. like dynamic range, what you can bring up in shadows, what you can push. Right? DaVinci Resolve added something called relight. If you've ever heard of that, <laughs> holy shit! You can basically shoot a flat scene and completely relight it and add contrast, and it looks great. Yeah. It's like a it's a cheat code, but there's so much you can do to footage after the fact. I usually don't do much, but knowing that, I'll go. You know, okay. I don't need this much fill. I have way too much data to deal with. I know what I want to do and it's fine. And and I, I think knowing that too, it's just, I guess to answer the question in a simple term is have an instinct to be like, okay, this is, this light here doesn't need to be here. Not because it, it, it obviously you get more detail in a person's face and the biggest thing actors want to see is their face, you know, their emotion and all that. But I think a lot of visual storytelling is more about removing things than adding things. It's not about, seeing their whole face you know like maybe they're a villain you want to see just they're like what's it called it uh it's um Spark, i forgot sparky lighting no uh, no 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 um kicker. Kicker. kicker kicker just a kicker on their on their little like edge here and then like that's pretty fucking cool lighting it's cool i i've tried like it. it my favorite lighting is and also simplicity it is you don't need 50 lights in one thing unless you're replicating the sun you can yeah, do i think one i've said light. this in a previous episode but any <clears throat> any cinematographer worth their salt knows that you can do more with less way more way more in 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 it's especially with with leds nowadays mm -hmm. with bicolor or whatever and i'm actually a little against um uh rgb not fully i understand its purpose and i like it a lot but i think having that a lot of I've seen a lot of people just fucking crank everything and it's yeah. like blue everywhere and red and shit like that. I think used very sparsely, it can be extremely powerful. Same with like Faden's as a cut, for example. Like that cut, if it's overused, it loses its entire power completely. Same with color. I think it's it should be a very balanced and focused. However, Euphoria is fucking beautiful. I have no idea how they yeah. did that. That's well, it has it has to have purpose. Yeah, they, they do. It, that's a big thing. But like they throw colors there like crazy. Like it's nobody's business. And it's like, man, that show had me like, I was like fell in love, man. That show is beautiful. They shot the season two on film. I don't know if you ever saw it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. What's your opinion on film? Actually, if you're talking about cinematography, it's film. Um, if you had the chance to shoot on film. I've been, I, I, I'm dying to shoot film. I think, um, I think 
just with RGB lights, I think people, we're gonna get like, I think we've spoken about this before, but we're gonna get probably some beef, but people are gotten lazy with digital. Digital is so convenient that there's no real states. The, mm. the states are really like in the in the data wrangling part. Yeah, dude. Making and, now, sure. and now everyone thinks they could, they could shoot a music video. Everyone thinks they're a cinematographer. So it's, I think, with the RGB, yeah, with same. with digital, with anything that's innovative right now, the more simple you make it, the more lazy people get. And I think it's very important that people learn the functionality of how things are done. Like something I really want to get into is learning f-stop ranges, mm -hmm. uh, like lighting-wise, because my terminology right right now is via, yeah, right now my terminology is via dimming and. I know that's not really the the max. I want to learn when someone tells me I want two stops down. I want to understand what they mean. And same thing with like this guy recently uh, rented a, a film camera, like a like stills camera. Nice. And I yeah. think that's really solid because it teaches you how to be intentional. It teaches yeah. you how to be. You gotta be. You gotta make. You gotta be much more yeah, careful which was, with your shots. Which is what I was gonna say. Um, I think it would be awesome to shoot film. I would absolutely love to, to experience that. That's be a um, budget film, though. Film, yeah, big. <laughs> yeah, like a film, like a like a vid film video. Thirty-five million. Um, and I think there's 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 so many things about it. There's first of all, it's a very unique look that yeah maybe you can replicate it in in, in post, but it's not quite the same. And there's also like kind of a bit of a sense of urgency on set mm -hmm. too. Like you don't want to waste film, you don't want to waste time. The actors are like, I only have so many takes that I can do this. Literally, so a little bit have of you pressure been on the set with the film. No, camera. but no, I've I've heard that it's literally like yeah, all right, action. Much stressful. Thing. I was like, see holy on shit, and it was. Because oh every every click yeah. is literally dollars down the drain so you need to be on your oh, game I story to talk, keep talking though. I got, you just reminded me of something fucking devious no that was it uh, well yeah I did I rented a a, a film camera um, a, a Bronica ETRS mm -hmm. uh, and it's a 120 film it shoots on 120 film nice um, oh my and, like and you got the little yeah. yeah yeah exactly and I haven't I haven't developed anything yet but I have like five Anxiety. rolls of film that I have to that I have to develop, yeah. and I'm like so nervous that I'm ho I'm I'm praying that I got like your fucking my... reaction is gonna be like one of those anime <laughs> like black and white with the sweat drops. Just like... <laughs> I'm praying that I got that I metered everything correctly. Yeah, that's that's uh, the it's so. like that is I, I, I the reason I brought up the film digital conversation is personally I I this is the first time actually I've heard this this take because most of the time almost always people are like oh I love the look a lot more. I fucking, I completely disagree. I think digital and film, I, obviously at a certain point, yes, if you pixel, pixel peep, it won't look the same. Here, let me, let I've me. tricked so many people. Let me, <laughs> let me pause you real quick and, and give a, a reality check to those people saying that if, if digital is so great, why are we at a point that we're trying to make digital look, look like, like film? film? It's it's nostalgia. It's nostalgia based. Uh, but I I will why, say why why are we talking shit about film if now we're be talking shit. Not, not not us but like those saying that digital is better. Mm -hmm. Why are they saying that when most people are trying to like replicate the feel and look of film? So it's 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 just the reality is don't shit talk. It, just understand it. Just respect it. Of course. I think yeah. I think um, I guess as as a storyteller, I don't consider one better than the other it's a tool i just the, think the, it, it the story should tell you what you need yeah exactly 
to me, it, it's if you're talking about a visual style, I can tell there's no audience that's gonna be that's gonna see my digital film that's kind of replicating film film that's gonna be like, oh, I'm taking out, it's not real film. To me, the biggest aspect of a visual change between film and digital is how you shoot it. Because you're right, it's fucking, you hear this, there's so much stress around it. It's like thousands of dollars every second that you're doing. And it's, and it's you can't just replace a drive. It's so much more special. It's real, it's physical, it's tangible. And I think that's what causes the look of film, not necessarily digital, because people there's get a lot, lazy. There's a lot higher stakes. Yeah, people get lazy when it's digital. You just can shoot whatever you want. Hey, you can already see what it looks like. You got the file, you can retry. Oh, film, you don't even know what it looks like. You have no idea. Go, and going back to like the question, I mean, for me, what makes cinema, or good cinematographers beyond instinct, it's intention. Being very intentional about the composition, being very intentional as to why is this framed that way? Why? What are you trying to provoke? It's at a point and shoot. I agree with the whole fade outs. We've had this conversation in the past. I think fade in, fade out is very elementary because it's overused. But there's times and places yeah, where, if like, used properly, it can be a for passage blow. of time. For for there's there's moments that fades, cuts, like the. If you know me by now, I don't really do like simple cuts when I move scene to scene. I try to have it be almost like a theatrical movements of changing so like let's say i'm I'm going from scene one to scene two i use a barrier transition where i go through the wall or something Mm -hmm. or i i i think about what's gonna make the fluidity unrecognizable or not unrecognizable but like how is it how is the transition gonna feel like it wasn't even thought of that it was just like that i so that's interesting. I started as an editor first before I did any film stuff. So almost all of my transition in every single project, it's never visual. It's almost always audio uh, or yeah. um, not even just like an L cut. Um, I'll, uh, it's it's just, it's usually almost always a hard cut. But that's going with also the intention because you're not yeah, just true. cutting. You're like, and we've had this conversation yesterday with the promo that we're talking. How... It's not even just on the conversation of the screen, but like the feel, the the vibe that you're kind of demonstrating. If you want to do a simple cut, how are we going to cut it where it just feels like intuitive? Maybe with a J cut. Also script too, by the way. I just realized too, because I, I, I there was about one or two times in my entire career where I wrote something, filmed something, and then I cut it and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? It came out of nowhere. That like that transition came out of nowhere. Um... I don't remember what they were, and I, I somehow fixed it in the edit. I don't remember what I did, but I, I another thing it is with the edit and, and writing is I never shoot a visual transition. It's almost always there's a, something in the writing that is cueing the audience. Hey, we're about to change places. Like obviously a door opening, fucking easy example, and uh, an audio uh, to be like, okay, we're going somewhere else. It's never. I, I should start doing that too, but it's never a visual like whip pan. I, I, I've done that between transitions and shots, but never in a scene. It's almost always a gut. You know what's going to provoke that shift of technicality or or curiosity is going back to staying humble, staying self-aware and ready to learn new things. Because kind of like what you're saying, a lot of DPs and directors are very like have their ego up their ass and very like just annoying. (laughs) Like you, you need to like ground yourself and know that you don't know everything because that one day that new young blood that's on set. If you allow him to say something, he might say something you never thought of, and you yeah. might be like, "Holy shit!" 
I'm gonna try that. I like that. I see it. So it's always very important to really keep your ears open no matter what level you're in because there's always a new way to do things. And if you just stay stuck, then you're just, I don't know, you're never gonna really see things differently. Mm -hmm. So always stay with that urge to learn a new technique, yeah. to, to even have the conversation because um, you don't know everything. At the end of the day, this this market this industry is super saturated that anyone can make the cookie cutter movie that they teach you in school but what's gonna make it you yeah so i think it's to go back to the the broadness of it i think what makes a good filmmaker is being humble being aware being ready to go on to that next phase of your life and being aware that that next influence might be like a few decades younger than you mm -hmm. and it's it's okay yeah um what's your story before we forget what was the story you want to share about film so um in 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 film class um while i was acing when you ac it you're also a film loader for some reason i know they're separate jobs but in this class it was the same and it was really fun to you know put the film in and uh, get it all spooled up and get the locks in or whatever but um, there were two shoots happening at the same time with 35 mil film. And um, while you, when you put film in, you have a little button to test it before you run it. And it, you just, it goes like really slow, like a frame every two seconds. So it goes, and then you'll be like, okay, it's good. And you close it. Apparently on the other shoot, someone clicked the run button instead of the, the little check button, left it running for seven minutes the entire time. So there is, <laughs> there is Isn't that just a full roll. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah seven minutes of film of nothing <laughs> and, was mean, it exposed or I, there was a lens on i mean it was, it was just shooting the street for seven minutes and it was um i i i i seven minutes of b-roll yeah, yeah b-roll that they cannot use and um they're really going back to the film roots where people just <laughs> filmed the trains and like people so i th it was i think it was intentional it, it, yeah it was an artistic choice but um <laughs> it was like man it was so funny because the teacher because you know they didn't know that happened or i think they did know but they didn't know for how long and then um when they when it got developed like two weeks later the teacher was like who fuck what fucking idiot presser it was like no one we don't we still don't know who did it because i mean i wouldn't fucking say anything if i did that shit but um it was just like something like that is the reason i remembered it is like you press you actually press record on your digital camera who fucking cares you press record on the phone camera that's what five thousand six thousand dollars that is just is that why when we're slating, you don't want to press record until the slate's in front of the camera? No, the, the reason for that is... Can I answer that? And correct, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm with you on this. If I, if I, if I, if it's the if same it's reason. The, same reason yeah. um, the reason you want to record when the slate is already in camera is so that when the editor or the assistant editor is organizing, all they have to do is look at the thumbnail of the first frame yeah. And they already know what the shot is, and they can organize it without having to play and scrub yeah. towards. It, where it automatically is. picks the first frame as a thumbnail, and most of the time, as an editor or assistant editor, for I never slate on my projects because I'm usually editing it. If someone else is editing it, I fucking slate it and have it on the first frame or whatever. But I, I just memorize it. It's a bad habit. I got to get rid of it, but that's what I do. Yeah, man, come on. But, <laughs> shit together. Habit. But uh, Premiere Pro and DaVinci Resolve and all that, their first thumb, the thumbnail is always the first frame. And um, 
for me, if I were to do it, most of the time my audio is external. So I'll have to label my audio the same as my video. And it has to be one AC and two and one AC for the audio and video. And to do that, it's just easier to have it as a thumbnail and then you can sync it. Um, but honestly, for you guys, you record internally, right? With the, no. yeah. No, no, no. no. You have time code. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. I never use time code as well. Another thing I need to do. Oh, we've started using time code when, when Cam came. Cam, yeah. yeah I was going to say, I was so impressed by the way that I, I've seen that. Shout out Cam. Before. We should shout have him on Cam. the podcast. Yeah, shout out Cam. He's probably going to criticize our <laughs> fucking setup. Was <laughs> <laughs> that road? What is this shit? I have his contact and I have his like. Sound guys. He's probably the personal <laughs> hire if I, if I ever produce that, whatever project I do. But, um,. You guys have time code, so you guys can literally just right-click and it'll auto-do all that stuff and sync it for you and you'll be fine. But for me, it's an audio thing and put the editor and assistant editor and it's just habit that I, I don't let die. But Yeah, we should, we're going to... I'm glad that I have the two of you to really push that because it's true, especially with my films. Uh, I like to organize everything beforehand. Um, but yeah, fully noted. If I'm producer or director, none of that shit happens. But if oh. I'm if I'm a helping hand, I'll always fight for that. Well, let us know when you're yeah, producing it's so we can. Useful, and it makes the editor's life way easier. Yeah, the editor also, it's good you. to have um, whoever's slating is. It's good to have someone who knows what they're doing, because I've been on a couple of shoots where whoever was slating was like a script supervisor or something. Mm. They didn't really know how to slate, and they would like call it before they hit record. Oh, yeah. Then they they would call action, and they were still in the frame, or like they wouldn't they wouldn't move or whatever. Like shit goes wrong. So it's good to have like somebody who's ready to go is patient enough to wait till everything's called MOS sound, or whatever it is they know how to do the yeah. MOS soft thing with the hand they know how to do so so they, they know all the call outs so they're they're ready to go when it's their cue to call it and and uh, and do the the sticks and, and then get out of the way so that is, actually I will say for because a lot of people like don't want to go to film school or, or think film school is, is dumb and vice versa people who say oh, you haven't gone to film school or whatever I'm very happy I did. I didn't learn anything towards cinematography, if I'm being honest. I did kind of, they taught stuff, but I already knew that stuff from doing it a million times and keep on doing it. And I personally believe if you want to learn, practice and do it and yeah. you'll learn. Yeah. But stuff like soft sticks, <laughs> I'm not going to fuck, I'm not going to learn that on my own. Or stuff like uh, our 10-1, uh, 10-2, like simple yeah, stuff like that, that'll let you kind of slip in on a union set by the way fun really fact helpful. i'm sure you know this i think i've told you this but let's see if you remember um when they say tail slate what do they mean when they say tail slate is that when they slate at the end of the scene mm -hmm. yes sir it's when they mess up in the beginning and then or I, maybe I think there's a shortcut too on premiere it's either it's either it's either that they mess up or they just don't want to ruin the yeah the moment. beginning because they, it'll get in the way if the ac does it and they have to move the camera or whatever So they're like just tail it yeah, I don't think you. I don't think you have to go to film school. No, 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 no. You don't but, have to do anything. You know, but it, <laughs> do whatever you want. My experience, film school taught me a lot of uh, lingo. A lot yeah. of it taught me a lot of stuff that, like you said, it makes a smooth transition mm. to getting onto a set and then kind of knowing what the fuck everyone's talking yeah. about, um, as opposed to just being there and having Watch to ask eyes. questions all the time. Watch your eyes is a big one. I never said that. And now I turn my lights off in my room and I accidentally say, "Watch your eyes." Yeah, it's, just, it's an instinct. Striking. Now. Yeah, Striking, plugging in power is a big one. Power is like you get you see those lunch boxes that are like yeah. humongous. You plug into I don't, know, I don't know what you plug it into. Shout out to Sparky who's making it's, it's helpful. Impact. It's a great it's a great resource. So, to me, film class film school is, yeah. is I, I say that as in like 
that is what you will learn. Yeah. The point of film school for me, if everyone, if someone says, I actually said it recently because someone said I was at a was at a get together with some people who were on the union. They're like, oh, you go to, you went to film school. How was it? And I was like, it's not really worth it if you're trying to learn. What I saw it as, and the reason I went to or towards it, is because I'm gonna be near people who are probably more talented than me, more talented, more talented than me, more know more of me, older than me, more passionate than me, or just as that want to make films or that are different and they, it's they also a great actors exactly and affinity. teachers that are willing to help students and students that are helpful with other students i got like four recommend the second i graduated i got four recommendations from other students that were working in orlando that wanted me to work in orlando and i was like fuck on i mean i, I would to- say that like my my rule of thumb is if you're not actively working on set go to film school but if you're if you're like literally in high school or like fresh out of college and you're still and you're on set, you're it's, already doing all that. Yeah, save it's your money. Useless. Out. It is useless. I, I like, met some people at Full Sail that were already in unions in New York, and I was like, "What are you doing yeah. here?" <laughs> I was like, "What's the point?" I think he told me that he wanted to he wanted to direct, but I mean, after going to the school, also, it's not going to help you. That's it's also a good decent way to expand um, your your versatility. Because um, you can be on a set and you're like, oh, you're, you know, you're in the, for example, you're in G&E department. Yeah. And all you really know is, you know, G&E department, you have some basic knowledge of how everything works because you're around it. But if you want to be True. a producer, if you want to be a writer, if you want to be an editor, whatever, film school is going to help you kind of get more but knowledge on to that. To me, that, that more creative stuff, like as an editor, when I didn't have any films to edit, I fucking recorded video games and edited that. And that's how I practiced. And that's yeah. when I went into film, I knew all the how to use Premiere Pro perfectly because I was already using it on stuff that I made puppet videos. So I think with that personal creative stuff like directing or acting. Shout out Sparky. Shout out, shout out Sparky. Sparky. I think you could, like I said, it's the same thing. Just do it yourself. You, 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 yeah. We have no excuse. I, I, The hardest part is this phone right here. It's capable of recording stuff, but I... It's hard to motivate yourself when you're using a phone. When okay. people won't take it serious, actors won't be like, they won't try as hard if they see you using a phone. It's different. It's a different vibe. And you can definitely make films as a phone, but I think more as a testing. When you want to actually like fucking go full force, buy a $300 DSLR. It'll, you get the settings in. It won't look as good as that, to be honest, but you'll have a more personal and, and intimate knowledge of how the camera works and, and the relationship between the camera and the actors and all that stuff. Because this is... It's great, but it's very limited. Or rent. Or rent. That's an amazing idea, but terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> terrifying, man. I'm trying to get that uh, Ursa all set out and get like a uh, a kit to rent it out because that's all I want to do for it. That's the reason I, I went from the G1 to the G2. But uh, it's so much money. I don't even want to think about it. I want it also 35 mil anamorphic. That's the 50 mil. The Great Joy, or they, they changed their name to Blaze, by the way, FYI. They do not exist on shared grid, like at all. You cannot rent them or any other renting places in Atlanta. They do not exist. It's either um, the Nanomorphs, which are 1.5. No, sorry. It's either the Siri, which is 1.33, or the Atlases, which is like fucking $500 a day. The Greyjoys do not exist. So I'm like, holy shit, this is a fucking, I want to buy it and rent it out. It's like, a, it's a thing that no one has. It's it's 1.8 for 3.4 sensors and cheap, but still two thousand dollars still still a still a you know penny but man i love equipment yeah that's that's the vice right there equipment yeah yeah oh my god gear yeah. i gotta i i'm gotta get a new tripod i'm gonna rent reeds out actually for a shoot coming up nice. 
Nice. I need something. Mine is like dead. Yeah, we need to get a new tripod too. I mean, we have Rio's tripod, but uh, I think it's good to have like. What I really so want is a fucking like um, a Sattler uh, flow tech. Yeah, nice. I want the flow tech is fucking beautiful. What's it? It hurts just to say. It. It's like five thousand dollars. Ah, that's a cinema camera right there. That's a red Komodo. The worst know. part is that you can't even put a fucking like cinema camera on it. Is it? It was like, the weight limit. It's definitely not Alexa left. Really? It's like wow. maybe F, maybe FX line, maybe like some Reds. Reds would be good on it. But if you try putting the like Ursa is pretty fucking heavy. The Ursa is, uh, is it's definitely not as heavy as Reed's area, but it's it's like. Like if you try putting an Airy, like a, like a Big Boy Airy or a Venice or stuff or a Panasonic very cam, that's gonna be hard to. Because no, no just the body alone is heavy. You have to include the lens. You have to include the attachments, the rails, the rigging, and then you have We're like, like forty pounds. The the Airy Mini LF that we used on um, Reason for Being, shut up. Uh, uh, it was like 45 pounds, man. That thing was fucking insane. I had Alvaro Rock, who's a colorist also in from Peru or Venezuela, I forgot. But he had like multiple handheld shots. Manhandled it like a champ, but um, Ethan, the second AC, was always there and it was like digging in his shoulder. And it was, oh, God, I could never do it. I tried because I thought it was like, no way you're doing this this easily. And I fucking crumbled when he gave it to me. Shit is intense, man. Yeah. I love area though. Oh my yeah. God! They're me. Thirty-five. I, I got to see the thirty-five. Really? Yeah. How, how was it? I've I've seen it. Beautiful. I have not been able to see it been recorded. I just saw it. It I was, was like, uh oh. I was doing this show, um, Death Out of Dorms for Hulu, and uh, I was yeah. PA. But nice. I was PA, but I was really like best boy drip, because uh, it was a small scale. So we were in charge of picking up the 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 vans. Uh, the gear setting up stuff nice. breaking it down so it was a glorified PA role really key grip gaffer uh, and they had the the 35 on a Ronin 2 on really with what lens with uh, Angie Nukes the, the the easies I think that it's the great thing about the Angie Nukes easy is that you can you can literally change it from 35 to full frame by just loosening some crews and opening up the really, I did not know that. Holy dude, shit. those are beautiful lenses. Like I will want to work with them, but they're like thirty thousand dollars, and to rent they're like a good couple of hundreds a day. But that was a fucking yeah. beautiful. I'm, I, I would love to rent that Airy Signature Primes. Those lenses yeah. are fucking flawless. Yeah, it's like what? That's what they shot. Um, that's what they seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> with the with I the, think it was a. Uh, they used a prototype of something. I think it was the Mini LF or something like that. But they used yeah, a prototype of a it camera. It was the Mini LF. Yeah. Roger Deakins. By the way, favorite cinematographer, favorite director? What you guys got? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Kubrick fan. Nice. What's your, what's your favorite movie from him? 2001 A Space Odyssey. Gotcha. Didn't yeah, he... Did he am I wrong? Did he do Str Dr. Strangelove? No. Who was that? I don't know who that was. But I'm pretty sure that was not. Okay. Let me double check. What about you? Well... Okay. I'm a shitty filmmaker that I don't really like know that much in the sense of like uh, my history of filmmakers and stuff. Uh, I can Santa tell Kubrick. you. He did. You have, you, have you watched it recently? No. Actually, one of my like That's favorite a strange old love movies. And the bomb or what? Yeah, it's one of my favorite old movies. Because it's not very Stanley Kubrick, by the way. It's like a satire. It's like yeah, really weird. Yeah. It's like one of his earlier ones, isn't yep. it? 
It's weird though. Oh, um, I, tell you, I can tell you the type of movies I like. I can tell you that I love Christopher Nolan movies. I can mm. tell you that. You saw Oppenheimer? Not yet. I want to. It's pretty long. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Andy saw it. Dario saw it. Fucking hate him. But uh, you also da- Damien Chazelle. I like his wow, work. I saw Bob Babylon recently. Was it good? I thought it was pretty good. I didn't dislike it. The thing about the thing about me with movies sometimes is I get so distracted in the technical parts while I'm watching. I'm like, oh, where did they put this light? Or wow, how did they set this up? Like, what lens did they use? And like, I'd, I'd be, I really, I distract myself sometimes, so I have to watch them twice. Some yeah. some movies are so all, good. I think we're all in that same mentality yeah. when we watch movies. Also, uh, Wes Anderson. Is one Wes Anderson, yeah. Really, really big fan of the, of his work. Some movies, however, are just so good. It, it just I don't even think about it. Whiplash is one. I didn't. I was like Dude. the entire time. I was like, <laughs> oh, I fucking. That's one of my favorite movies wow. of all time the, for that for that exact reason because I'm like that too where I watch a movie and I'm like already fucking yeah nitpicking I'm, and I'm looking at the text not so stuff. much nitpicking but just, just analyzing alone. everything. The I'm opening, analyzing. Yeah. I'm analyzing sound design. I'm analyzing yeah. score. I'm analyzing. Score. Acting, I'm analyzing lighting, cinematography. I'm analyzing the story itself, the writing that went mm-hmm. behind it, the, the 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 purpose behind. Yeah, I get distracted. Why a writer made a certain choice for every movie. When I watch Whiplash, dude, I was so engaged. I was yeah. I was so immersed in that movie that when it finished, I I looked around my room and I was like, <laughs> "What? Where the fuck that am ending? I?" Damien Chazelle and endings are like, oh, if you've watched Bab- if watch Babylon, you'll see what I mean. But I will say so. The reason I brought Whiplash up is, I like I said, there's one of those movies where I didn't have to like think. It was just I watched it. And I loved it. But La La Land, I watched that movie the first time two I years ago, two, two, three, four years ago actually. I was like, it's pretty good. It's all right. Again, I got distracted. Technical stuff throughout. I rewatched it about a year and a half ago. It is my fucking favorite movie of all time. That's a like, fucking masterpiece. Favorite movie of all time, and it just had to rewatch it. That just happens right. all the time. Snowpiercer also. My problem is that. <laughs> Bro, I love this guy, dude. My problem is that I need to good fucking movie. I need to agitate myself with the rates because when I watch (laughs) movies, I I just I focus on like how am I being invested? What am I? How is how's the escapism? Like I need to really agitate myself with the DPs and all that stuff because that's where I'm falling behind. But where I connect with films is how immersive do I get into it? Mm. Like one example. One of my top favorite movies is Interstellar because every time you watch it, it's a bit different. Like the fir- I've only watched it once. The first time I saw it, I'm like, I don't get it. It's a space movie about what? <laughs> Dude, at the end of the day. That's how I feel about Donnie Darko. It's a movie about his father. <laughs> um, it's a movie about a father trying to get back to his daughter. Yeah. That's the pure yeah. essence of it. Everything else is just intentional noise. I, a lot of people say that's Christopher Nolan's best. I haven't watched it in a long time. I am a... F- fucking dark knight fan through and through dark knight's uh, yes. fire i can't i can't say that's not his best yeah. but like i, like I love I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a batman dweeb but yeah I, I love the dark knight i think it's his best movie ever um i also really like shutter island it's fucking amazing i i literally really want to watch that movie because i i get almost spoiled all the time and i i always like don't get and i watched the first start like Four years, two years ago, and I remember the first start because I had Mark Ruffalo and I had Leonardo DiCaprio, and I was so invested because they're on the boat and they're solving a crime. And then I, I have not been able to watch it yet because it got removed on the streaming service that I was using at the yeah, time. Figure out how to watch it. Cause <laughs> it's good, dude. It's such a good. Film. The director, I know that director. What's his director's name? He's he's really good. Um, I don't remember. Have you guys seen Ed Smart? You know? Yes, yeah, dude. Great. That movie. Um, 
That was a like a happy surprise. I was just going scrubbing through. The, I I love the character development. It's a beautiful movie. movie. It's so well written. I fucking Fantastic. love it. I don't remember if it was the DP or the director. Um, oh shit! Sorry, I was thinking about Arrival. Um, have you seen that movie? Yes, I Denis so. Villeneuve. He's like my favorite director. Right Arrival. Now. That was a great movie. That was the one with um, what's her name? Amy, whatever. What Amy Adams? Amy Adams, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, the the nice. uh, or Jenna Fisher. I don't remember one of the. Jenna two. Fisher's from The Office. Amy yeah, I Adams. thought she was in it. I'm pretty sure. Jeremy Renner's in it. I know that. I'm pretty sure it's Amy Adams, although they're almost the same person. <laughs> True. Rob Hardy. Oh no, I was thinking. I thought the DP for Ex Machina, Bradford Young. Have you heard that before? Heard that name before? He's um. Uh, he's he's one of my the DPs that I like a lot, but he did Arrival. That's why I thought about it. But he does like essentially no lighting. He's very minimal lighting. It's almost always natural, and it's almost always like controlling and stuff like that. And you can definitely tell in his movies, especially Arrival, because there's a lot of scenes that are like really. You can kind of tell the colorist was fighting it, um, which is it was weird that I can recognize that. But it's like it's, it's like lower contrast kind of. But um, have you ever seen the it's movie? Awesome. It's beautiful. Barry Lyndon. No, no. It's a Kubrick movie, and I gotta watch Kubrick stuff. So oh shit! Honest. I forgot for a second that this is the motherfucker that invades our sets with fucking like. Oh yeah, the lines. With yeah. lines, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 dude. Lines Barry Lyndon, man. Kubrick. First of all, you gotta watch more Kubrick movies because they're amazing. yeah. He's such a he's such a like. He he has such a method behind his. He's pretty rigorous, work. right? He's like he's what rigorous, like yes, very, very. But it's so it's so intentional. He's mm-hmm. probably one of the most intentional directors I've ever seen. Maybe behind Hitchcock, I guess. But yeah, Hitchcock, um, yes. Barry Lyndon is comp- the whole movie is lit with candlelight. There's no. Oh, light. is that the one where they used like an F point ninety five lens? They I had they had NASA build the lens <laughs> for the camera. What's it called again? The movie? Barry Lyndon. Lyndon L Y N D O N. I see him. I put it on my watch list. Speaking of, uh, there's another good example of Seven by. Um, oh, David Lynch? Fuck. Yeah, no. No. The seven. Well, that. Isn't I, it the, the Facebook guy? Fincher. Yes, David Fincher. <laughs> the Facebook guy. Yeah. Social Network, my favorite movie, also. That's a sort of great oh, fucking God. movie. That is a phenomenal That's visual phenomenal and story man. movie. I actually. Neither of you watched Oppenheimer. I will say there's one thing about it. After I got out of the movie, the, I said this to my dad because I watched it with my dad. I watched it in IMAX too. Uh, nice. Like film IMAX. You have to. Yeah, that's that's what mil. that's the whole point. Yeah. The authentic 70. No, it wasn't a 70 mil. It was like a it was like a different perf or something like mm-hmm. that. I don't I don't really know the specifics, but it was film enough for me. <laughs> um, but I I the one thing I said that I truly believe, and I've told other people this, and they agree, Social Network did it better. There are certain, and it, you can't. I mean, Aaron Sorkin is probably one of the best writers. Have you seen Jobs? Yeah. Aaron Sorkin. I think that's Aaron Sorkin. Jobs um, with what's his name? Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. That's a great movie, too. The writing is phenomenal. I want to study that just for the writing. Anyways, before we get lost in the what film, what film, what film come, because that's filmmakers do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you were talking about how you don't have like a favorite director, and you're talking about movies that. that like, I don't have. You. I don't have direct correlations to the movies that i really enjoy because i don't educate myself to like oh who's the dp who's mm-hmm. this and that uh i know i need to work on that i i'm very driven by emotional intuition so 
I just whatever really fucking speaks to me is what I yeah. fucking. What's your? What I'm, movie? I'm like right in between the two of you. I, I've 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 only recently got into like the DP and the director about a year and a half ago yeah. maybe I probably wouldn't know but like I, I I realized I should probably need to know. Yeah. To, My whole to thing is I, I I'll start watching a movie with your mentality like I want it if it moves me I fucking love the movie but because it moves me then I want to see what the director what else yeah yeah, yeah yeah I think what really rabbit hole sparks it all is that intimate investment that I'm like I need to know who shot this I need mm-hmm. to know who like it's it's kind of like cheating in a way but the, i don't even know his fucking name but the direct the the ongoing dp that works with damien i think he does great fucking he, work. i do not know his name either but he is yeah he's strictly film too he yeah, only shoots he does film great basically. fucking work he did um, first man la la joshua. land uh, I, was <laughs> <laughs> I was like joshua who <laughs> even uh even the dp that christopher nolan works with all the time yeah he's he switched to hoyt van Houtenbein or something like that uh but he used to he used to have a dp that he used for like dark knight and and, and no uh and inception he switched with interstellar mm. um have you seen those fucking cameras by the way the imax cameras yeah they, 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 they i don't even consider them something. cameras they're they, just they're like, like boxes or like yeah. nukes but uh, they invented. We're just gonna do a handheld they, uh, right now. What? <laughs> Dude, they d- for Dunkirk, I think they did. They, that was the first time they did handheld IMAX like footage, like fucking seventy mil IMAX or whatever. Probably hit the gym for oh like my a month God. or something. It's Hoyt. Hoyt is doing it, and he's not. Is that with their long hair? Yeah. Yeah. He's not like a buff guy. He's, he's kind of chubby. He's kind of chubby, <laughs> and he's got this probably seventy-five pound camera. But I think they they used very vintage small lenses, and I think that probably helped. But man, I. I that's one thing. Like I said, I don't necessarily agree with going that much for for the camera, um, like IMAX film. Like that's a that's a bitch and a half to, to deal with. But obviously, it gets a look that you it's impossible to get on on digital. It just just the sensor size alone, because like a thirty five mil at, at T one on IMAX film, which doesn't exist. But like if it did, you would be like you in the background would be a different fucking like element. It would be insane. Damn. <laughs> it's that time we have to uh seems like we have to start wrapping that up there was like a mini game you're gonna start yeah, yeah. it's actually Ooh, yeah, it's a lot. It, it actually is a game if you think about it the final question of the day oh, is yeah. technically hey, before you say that i just want to sh- give a quick appreciation post appreciation post. Uh, a quick day. appreciation uh to all the people to all the editors that edit film that sit oh. around and splice for fucking days on end. I don't know how they do Shout that. out to Drillo. I cannot. <laughs> I'm talking about editing film. Shout out Shout to, to potentially Drillo. Hopefully. Maybe he'll get into I that. would never want to do that. But dude, oh my, I can't even fathom like how much time and effort it takes to do that fucking shit. Fuck that. I thought All they right, were anyway, joking when they told let's me. Let's get to the The, the last question. Oh, wait, 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 wait. The great thing about Op- Oppenheimer is that the fucking splicing didn't end at the fucking yeah. edit bay. People had to splice the movie together to showcase the 70 mil on IMAX. Yeah. It was like, uh, like yeah. three different cases of like ginormous film that then they had to splice See, to me, together. that's too much. To me, to oh, me, Jesus. that's like, all right. It's like, that's a lot. I think that's a very special occasion, but they do it in a lot of theaters. There's like two in Atlanta or in Georgia. But um, I think the one that does still like a film, um, like film presentation is um, one in Buford, Buford, I think. I, I think you're right, but I don't know the name of the theater. I looked it up I, because I wanted to watch it, but then I checked my bank account, and apparently I didn't want to watch it. You don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> what else does those sounds do, by the way? Yeah, my bank uh, account. Okay, so we, we have applause. We've heard this one before. Uh-huh. We have alarm. Oh! Cypher. 
should have we should have put that one when Chris spilled the soda all over the. I was too upset. Soundboard. I was too upset to even consider that. We have this one. We know this one. Gotcha. Uh, we have a brass. Is that for like a bad joke? <laughs> yeah. Now we know. Yeah. yeah. Uh. This one. Oh, there's your intro. Yeah. Hello, my name is Andy with Abe, and this is the podcast. Yeah, we might do a little combination of this. Hey, that's good. That's a pretty good um, Heartbeat. Heartbeat. Yeah. Bleep. Oh, sh- oh. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, going back to uh, rewinds. Yeah. Um, you should have a button for that. It's not on the budget yet. Dude, so I don't know if you're familiar at all with our podcast and the question. That he never listens to it. I, I, I listen to the beginning because <laughs> oh, I'm so like, oh, that, who is it? And then I'm that's like, convenient oh, that's cool. for us then. If it makes you feel any better, I, li- I literally need to listen to podcasts and read books. I don't do either. I, I can't. If you go I'm, for a walk. If you're I like on a listening park. to music. Well, music is number books. one. Books help. We have music. Especially underneath. if you want to write. Why not watch a movie? Well, I you know, can do I both. Know. Do both. I know. It just, it's something fucking, I need just to do. Just fucking any way you can consume a story is going to help you. Um, but anyway, we ask all our guests a question at the end of our podcast. Um, and it's a question that... It's not that intense, okay? It's oh not... Don't, no pressure. It's a question that <laughs> is, that is that we value. Um, and f- I think... in. In 11, not including today, in 11 episodes, uh, everyone's given us a different answer, oh. including our answer, which we gave on the first episode. So if you want to know our answer, listen to the first episode of Creative Vices. But um, we ask uh, the, the, our guest, what, what is creativity to you? <laughs> See, the thing is, I can answer art. I think art is... That's fine. That's in the question. I know, I know. That's why I'm... Caught me off guard because that's not a question I, I usually hear. Right. What is creativity? Like... To from you. A, from a... Like, in your mind? To you. Just answer. Okay. The best of your opinion. <laughs> I'm so scared. Um, to me, that's... That's... Being able to... See something in a way that's not supposed to be seen. And, and that hard. Keep it, going. yeah I, I guess if, for example it's like okay that's a spaceship like something as simple as that where it's like you can kind of obviously very bare bones but a more complicated version of that where you can see different stories and different things and kind of build off things but i think it, it all comes from i mean a story about what's happening actually in real life is boring as fuck that doesn't it's not really a movie it's always something that's very specific and personal that is somewhat relatable, but they see something that's different. So I think, what did I say originally? <laughs> what was the first thing I said? Essentially, to see the unseen. See, what's the, see the unseen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you I see, you. you see, you see, like a couple fighting. There's a lot more than than just a couple fighting that you can kind of make out of. And you know, there's an experience that you have personally, right? That you want to make a film about it, sure. But there's other stuff that you could do. Like instead of uh, a movie about a breakup, you can do a movie about a heist failing. But the real core behind it, why you're writing it, is because you just went through a breakup, and it, every, all the writing is kind of similar to how you would feel during a breakup. But it's about a fucking heist. So I think I think creativity, yeah, seeing the unseen. I think that's my answer. So to sum it up to you, creativity is perception. I guess, yeah, perception, yeah, hundred percent. Actually, yeah, I fully agree with that. Because I mean, you come down to it, it's like, oh yeah, well you can creativity is making something it's like, okay well how do you make something you fucking find something to make and you think about it so i guess it all comes down to perception for here me. let's let's do the division thing and yeah. just kind of like let's let's refresh our listeners 
of what creativity means as yeah, to us me. as individuals. Um, right now, creativity for me. Right now, it changes. Yeah, Always. that's the beauty of about creativity. It's it's ever changing. It's it's influential. Um, for me, creativity right now is just being open to the non-existent, like kind of what you said. Oh, yeah. okay. Being aware that just because this is a towel, be open-minded that this could be so much more than a towel. It yeah, be, it can be a prop. No, hundred percent. It can be a head towel. It can be. It can be anything because at the end of the day, things are created when someone thinks differently. When yeah. someone says, it's this way right now, but why can't it be this way instead? Yeah, I so agree with that. Just yes. being open to thinking different. Okay. Well, my turn. Yours, yeah. um, to me, creativity is very similar to what you said. It's about perception. I think um, creativity is really an amalgamation of a individual's life experiences and the way that they express uh those experiences in whatever medium uh whatever medium they they choose whether it's music or writing or film or photography or art or painting whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's just every every experience that you've ever had in your entire life has shaped you in some way um, it has molded you into who you are and it will continue to mold you into who you will be. And I think all those individual experiences is something that always change your perception. Like you said, they always change your perception of the real world um, as it is. And creativity is just what you, what you make of those experiences and how you express the way that everything makes you feel yeah. based on not only what you perceive, but also what you have been taught, what you have been nurtured into your life through previous experiences. Mm. No, yeah, 100%. Wanna add, you want to add anything to yours? No, I, I, I you guys enforced it, actually. Is I, I believe I am. But what is, what is, like, is different every time? Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we hear something that the guest says and it can make us... Think about it. Yeah, wow. Well, I've stuck with my answer since the first episode, and I don't think it, it's that the answer that changes it so expands. much as yeah, exactly. So much as it expands into Interesting. more. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Because to kind of like leave on a very like open note, um, you have to remember creativity is not art. Like creativity is just self-expression. We pers- yeah, we 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 kind of perceive it as art because it's kind of like. It kind of complements each other, but creativity, an engineer... Creativity is not is art. Cre- art is creativity. Yeah. An engineer can be a, <laughs> an engineer can be creative because yeah. he's thinking of a different way to kind of make things. Um, I don't know, like a, a, po- a politician can even be creative because he's thinking outside of a policy that is unconventional but might work in this certain regard. Creativity is just being aware that things are not set in stone, that you can do things differently and being open to it interesting yeah activity is boldness i was gonna say activity is individuality to me everything is art engineer engineer what an engineer does a politician does to me that's art i think anything that's created from creativity is art there you go all right well uh any final notes before we dip yeah no i'm good that's all we can afford can we we should have recorded that added to the soundboard (laughs) uh no okay what's that pink one do what's that pink one do 
pink one that I, I don't have a setup, but you can change your like your voice. It's a Do voice it. effect. I don't have a setup. Damn. You have to turn it on. Set that up for the next. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Make sure to check out our all the episodes. Make sure to check out our YouTube to see the creative gym sessions. We're back at it. We're going strong. We already we were silent for a minute, but now it was because we were building the game plan, and now we're putting into practice. Check out our Instagram where we show you the before and after and the overheads of how we did it. Check out our TikTok and YouTube Shorts where we're going to show you a little highlight of it and just check out the people that we support because at the end of the day we're only as strong the people that support us so let's just do this together let's just push ourselves and yeah stay uh, with that be a visionary guys